You are listening to Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. We are souls on the journey, and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings. We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Mia Tarduno. This is Dig with Sacred Fire Arts, and you're listening to Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. If it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment to get centered with us. I would like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out of your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present and take another deep breath in through your nose and breathing out calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing in again through your nose and breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out that light and love and sending it to all of humanity, remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today, we have Tom Walters. Tom has been a meditation practitioner and instructor for over 35 years. He is the author of Discovering Joy and hosts two worldwide podcasts called Zen Commuter and Calmer in Five that focuses on meditation and positive living. Tom found out a long time ago that helping people grow is what he does best. After walking a path of school to a 10-year stint on it as a business analysis, Tom realized that this wasn't where he was supposed to be. It was clear that he wanted, that he was supposed to do, excuse me, it was clear that what he was supposed to do is talk about the one thing that has guided him in his life, meditation. Tom teaches meditation in person and through his podcasts and has helped thousands of people understand their ability to live a less stressed life. He teaches people how to look inside themselves and create a plan for increasing the joy in their lives. So thank you so much for being here today with us, Tom. Oh my goodness. I am incredibly grateful and thankful to be with you today. So thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm super excited just to have this conversation. And so tell us a little bit, why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey and what led you to this point? Well, a lot of that, even though my mom would totally uh, say it wasn't her, it was her. So when I was 18 years old, um, I was 
obviously still in high school, my mom was uh, teaching meditation uh, to people in the community. She'd have about 10 people come into the house and she and two other uh, meditation teachers would guide us through meditation, teach people how to meditate. And I was 18 and for the longest time, my, my mom was just like, um, no, this is just for us right now. This is for, for, the, for the adults. And, uh, but I was fascinated. So um, I kind of have poked my, uh, put my ear to the door, listening to them uh, meditate and teach about meditation. And I don't know what led my mom to uh, initially uh, acquiesce and say, hey, do you want to join us? I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely want to join. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point, uh, obviously, that's when I learned how to meditate. And with that, uh, obviously, a variety of things. Well, I've had experiences from that very day that still I'm having and impact me daily. Um, and my practice, much like everybody's practice, has ebbed and flowed. When I first started meditating, um, I didn't have the ability to meditate in a, any environment that wasn't absolutely quiet, absolutely like, okay, if there's any noise, I'm not gonna be able to do this. And uh, I remember it, I, I laugh now thinking about it because when I was learning how to meditate, I'd lay down, I wasn't even, I wasn't even sitting, I'd lay down on my bed to meditate and I'd hear cars go by. And I'm like, gosh, this isn't gonna work, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was new meditator, Tom. Obviously right now when I hear cars, I'm like, cool, it's a car, it's a sound. I can tune into that. I can tune into anything and not get all riled up. So, um, and to that point, when I first started meditating, I'd usually meditate just on the weekends. Um, and then after uh, probably about five years, it became a, a daily practice. And since then it has just led me much like you said, the spiritual journey that I'm on where I've experienced things in my meditation, where I'm like, uh, sometimes I get out of my, my meditation and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what the heck, uh, was that? I'm like, what, what just happened? What did I just learn? Um, and other times uh, I have moments where there's abject clarity, uh, whether it conforms to society or not. And I just feel it. And with the knowledge that everything I experience every day in my meditations or outside of my meditations is going to lead me to growth and love, then mm -hmm. I just embrace all that and say, cool universe, you know what, I'm, <laughs> you know what you're doing, guide me to where I'm supposed to be. I'm open. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing all that. And there's just so much there that I want to dive into. Um, <laughs> but you know, tell tell us a little bit about your meditation practice. It sounds like it's kind of you've started out at a young age, which was like what a gift that your mom gave you to help invite you into that space. That sounds like a really beautiful experience. Just a that seed to be planted. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, and, and so. I, I what, to your point, not to cut you off, but I, I just basically remember, um, you know, when my mom passed away, uh, obviously it was a very sad time. And I don't know why I didn't think that this wasn't going to be possible, but I thought, you know, when she passed away, I'm like, well, she's gone. I mean, she was a light in my life and she was a resource and, but that that's closed. I won't be able to talk to her anymore. Uh, and then probably like a year after she passed away, I heard her in a meditation. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, am I hearing you because I want to hear you or am I hearing you because I'm hearing you? And obviously the answer came back that um, it is indeed her or an aspect of her. She said, she's like, well, I'm not your mom anymore. She's like, all I am is love. Uh, she's like, but you're connecting to a different <clears throat> version of me through mm -hmm. the timelessness that you understand uh, time to be. So long story short, she's like, 
what does your heart say? I said, my heart says that I'm talking to you and that I'm not going crazy. She's like, well, your heart's right. So in my meditations, the, the reason I brought that up is many times I say, uh, and I'm probably going to cry, but <laughs> I'm like, uh, mom, thank you for the gift that you gave me. Mm. I said, I'm walking your path. She's like, no, you're not. You're walking your path. She's like, uh, she's like, I just showed you one way to live. And you chose to live it. Your heart, your soul said, cool. That's what's supposed to resonate. That's re what does resonate with you. So um, at the risk of uh, getting sentimental, it was just a, a moment where it's just like, it's nice to know that something that happened in her physical body is still going on now. And I'm still gaining wisdom from her. And I'm still thankful. And as she says all the time, she's like, you created your life. She's like, I gave you life on a physical form, but you were going to make your way into the world, whether I was going to be your mom or not. So I'm like, well, I'm glad you were. So uh, um, that gift that she gave me, even though she won't up to won't own up to it, uh, I am very thankful for. And I continue to do what I do to say thank you to her, to the universe and to all the things that uh, have been uh, given to me and blessed me in my life. Mm. Wow, that's really beautiful. What a gift. And and I can imagine just, you know, it sounds like she's, you know, just in this place of, you know, not taking credit, but letting you like, you know, have that, you know, space to, to really feel her presence, um, but own your own life um, and the, the seed that she planted. That's just really, really beautiful. What a um, beautiful story. So thank you for, for sharing that. Well, thank you for allowing me. Tell us a little bit about how your meditation practice has evolved over the time since she planted that seed. So my meditation practice has evolved in frequency, obviously, like I said, so I'm meditating every day. For me, um, when I tell students or people that I'm teaching about the best time to meditate, I said, whenever you can do it daily. So um, whether that be in the evening before you go to bed, but for me, it's the best uh, kind of way to start my day. Um, I go for a walk and I uh, end up on the bleachers at the university. Uh, the sun is just coming up over the horizon. I'm just sitting there and I meditate for about 20 minutes um, first thing in the morning. Um, and it, it changes. So sometimes I'll be doing total breath work. To sometimes I'll do uh, body scans. Sometimes I'll do uh, meta meditations, loving kindness meditations. It always changes. Sometimes it's profound. Sometimes it's a practice where I just quiet my mind. And when the, uh, the timer goes off, I'm like, cool, time to start the day. And other times I'll get off the chair or the, the bleachers. I'll be like, Ooh, that was wild. <laughs> but, uh, mostly I start off in the morning and then, um, I'll go to bed meditating as well. So it's twice a day, uh, for 20 minutes around there each day. One thing I tell my students too, is just because you have a certain time that you meditate, meaning an amount of time, uh, doesn't mean it has to stay that way. So life gets in our way. The, the one thing we can always agree on is that some days are going to be hectic. Some days are not. But um, if you practice for meditation to be the most beneficial, we have to do it every day. Do we have to do it for 20 minutes every day? No, you can do it for five. You can do it for three. You can do it for 20. You can do it for an hour. As long as you're doing it, there is no right time. One thing you, uh, you mentioned, Tom, was um, quieting the mind when you, when you're talking about meditation. Now, there are, you know, a lot of guided meditations and, you know, a lot of people tell you, you know, the first thing you got to do is, you know, take a few breaths in and then quiet your mind or clear your mind. Now, 
that is an impossibility. <laughs> you know, like the, that's the, why the I did the old just, uh, Edward Monk. I'm like, no, yeah. that's not possible. <laughs> right, right. The mind continues to run. And uh, so when you talk about quieting the mind versus clearing the mind, what do you mean by that? And and uh, kind of also another follow up question, too, is, um, you know, you're supposed to remain still while meditating or typically that's what, you know, when somebody thinks of meditation, it's clear the mind, still the body, you know, but what if, you know, you're not able to kind of completely still the body and, you know, you're fidgety or, or whatever is, you know, is there a way to kind of calm the body there or, you know, is it okay to kind of let the body do what it's going to do? Yep, absolutely. So um, because I'm a very methodical man, I'll answer those in order. (laughs) So yeah, right from the get go, clearing your mind. um, And I, definitely never want to denigrate anybody who's a meditation instructor, but I usually tell people, I'm like, if you're going to somebody who says, clear your mind, they might not have the fullest idea of what meditation is because much to like, we're just kidding. You can't clear your mind. Uh, if your mind is clear, then you're probably not on this side of the grass. Uh, <laughs> our minds always make thoughts. That's what they do. So, but to your point, so when we, we can't clear our mind, but we can, uh, we can quiet our mind, meaning we get to that place where we're taking in those breaths. And as we become more meditative, or as I call it down to level, and we're getting into that meditative space, we're able to just see those thoughts, as I say, often see thoughts as things. Quieting the mind means not so much getting rid of those thoughts or disavowing any thought ever. The thought is, or the understanding is to just see those thoughts and not become embroiled in the emotional uh, attachment to them, the story to them. So quieting the mind is basically just coming to that relationship with thoughts to say, cool, this is a thought. I don't have to do anything with it. I can just look at it, acknowledge it, which is really important, and then shift my focus back to my breath. Because as we all know, we can only have one thought at a time. So if we bring that focus back to our breath, then we're not disavowing that thought, but we're just saying, cool thought, got it. But right now I'm going back to my breath. So, uh, and quieting the mind, that's one thing that, uh, I tell my students all the time mm-hmm. in regards to stillness. Uh, I've had many people say that, uh, dude, I just can't meditate. I just can't sit still I'm like, Oh man, that's really, that really stinks. When you go to a movie, you must be just like doing laps around the, the movie theater. Like, uh, when you're at a church service, you must be just fidgeting and just like loud and like, no, I can get it done. Obviously they know that I'm being sarcastic. I'm like, so you can sit still. You're choosing to sit still. Uh, that the only thing that's keeping us from being still is our thoughts. And many times, much to what I just talked about is our desire to escape our thoughts, because I think the majority of people are just, uh, the thought of meditating is for some people terrifying because their inner critic is just so loud. And they think that if I quiet my mind, if I sit still, I am just going to be beset upon by thoughts that I am inadequate and that I'm not, not enough. Uh, so they're like, yeah, I'm not sitting still anytime soon. So when people come to me with that understanding, like I want to meditate, but I can't sit still, I bring their awareness to the thought. It's not your body that can't sit still because you can sit in a movie theater. You can sit in a church service, but it's your mind that you want to run away from and stillness uh, doesn't allow that. So we will find a way through meditation to lower the voice of our inner critic and raise the voice of our higher self. I'm like, from the get-go, it might be tough. I'll be honest with you, Uh, but it will happen. And to combat that, we don't start off thinking about meditating for 20 minutes, 30 minutes at your first session. You're like, cool, no, two minutes, 
we're going to meditate for two minutes. We're going to start off slow and steady. And even if that inner critic is really loud, even if we're bringing our focus back to our breath, um, it's only two minutes. You got this. And with that awareness, with that safety, that's like, it's only two minutes. People can usually say, uh, okay, I'll be with my thoughts. And then they become more comfortable with being with their thoughts. And that whole process kind of evolves on its own where they're like, huh, I was told this or in my, you know, when my thoughts were running rampant, I heard this, but uh, I'm here and I'm still. So maybe that isn't a real thought. I'm like, bingo. <laughs> so hopefully that answered uh, your questions. Yeah, it did. Thanks. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I, you know, thank you for, for sharing that. I, you know, I think that's a really important to, um, I, I, and by the way, I, I might use that in my, with my clients. Cause like the whole, like, well, can you sit still, you know, in church or, you know, this place, because it's true. Right. Right. And our, our minds will are so good at, um, just distracting us from trying to sit for too long and but recognizing that you know that space between the thoughts will get bigger and bigger the more we sit and so like you said even if you don't have 20 minutes each day but if you're adding that into your day each time um or into your uh day each day you will eventually it's building the foundation for creating the space between the thoughts but it does take that consistency and so i think um that's a really important um, part to to emphasize is that it's consistent action and recognizing that it will it will help you know build it's about building the foundation it, it's about starting small too like you said with that expectation and uh i don't know if we had talked about this on air uh off air or not but um we talked about how many people are plagued with a thought i'm like i don't want to meditate if i don't know how to do it right i'm like oh okay so their thoughts are that, well, you know what? I go online and I read these things and I hear people that are meditating for an hour, two hours, 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. I'm like, well, that's just one person's experience with meditation. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, setting those expectations aside and saying meditating for two minutes is just as good as meditating for 20, an hour. It's, it's mm-hmm. all your practice is your practice. Uh, you don't have to, even though our society says, do it right. There's a plan. There's a process. Be the best like that's not meditation at all. So right. with and, that, and, and that understanding. Yeah. And recognizing there is no right way. And, you know, and I'm wondering like, if you can speak a little bit to, you know, the differences in meditations, because some people might have a harder time sitting versus, you know, the walking meditations, like what are the benefits of like doing the different kinds of meditations like that? And do you find that they're, you know, someone who has a hard time sitting at first might be able to do a walking meditation a little bit easier. Like what's your take on that? Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things I definitely recommend for people who have not gotten the, um, the point I was saying about sitting still, but walking meditations are great. And one of the goals that I have for my students is bringing their meditation practice into their lives. Uh, it used to be for me, way back in the day when I had my meditation, um, it was many of the times they're very profound and, but there'd be a very distinct delineation between my waking life and my meditation life. It's like, okay, this is what I experience when I meditate. This is what I experience in my, uh, everyday life. And obviously, uh, that has become wonderfully blurred, uh, throughout my life so that my meditation seeps into my life. And I find those times when I'm meditative. So to your point, um, whether it's traditional or non-traditional, a walk in the woods, 
um, without your phone, um, not ruminating on any thought uh, is meditation. Um, uh, walking meditation, uh, obviously, is a great example. And uh, most times people can't get behind the speed of a walking meditation. But uh, mm-hmm. once, <laughs> once we uh, get them on board with that, uh, that's helpful as well. So it's taking um, mindful moments and making them meditative. So uh, to your point, when people are having a tough time sitting at a chair or sitting on their cushion and meditating, it's like, cool, walk in the woods, a walking meditation. There's so many things. There's, uh, you know, Tai Chi, uh, there's Qigong, a variety of uh, movement-based meditations that are going to be beneficial as well. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And recognizing, yeah, there's, there's other things than just the one way, right? There's not this, you know, like with everything, there's many paths to get to a destination. And even with the things that we do every day, I talk about this all the time on uh, Calmer and Five, whatever you do, you can do it mindfully, bringing every one of your senses to that moment, washing dishes, uh, brushing your teeth. I remember having a guest on Zen Commuter who was uh, talking about that very thing. And um, I remember never having brushed my teeth mindfully before. Uh, And then uh, the moment I did, it was just, uh, I don't want to say it was life altering, but it was just like, whoa. I wasn't just like, okay, what do I have to do today? Uh, that's right. I got to do that. Oh, I got to get that done. It's like tooth. Ooh, I feel the mintiness of the toothpaste. I feel the foam of the toothpaste. I feel the brush in my hand. I hear the water running into the sink. And mm-hmm. uh, in that moment, I'm like, wow, that really chilled me out pretty, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty quickly. So anything we can do, as long as we invite all our senses to experience that and keep our mind to those senses is very helpful and very meditative uh, off the cushion as well. You know, and I'm, I'm really glad you actually said that because, um, when it, earlier in my meditation days, I, I was like you, I started meditating about a, a age of 18 as well. Nice. And, um, I remember I would wash dishes and I would get in this meditative state and, you know, you would start to feel the water kind of flow on your hands and you would see, you know, how the bubbles are different from the soap and, you know, how, within time, like the dish gets clean and it's, it's a very meditative thing. And, and I really do appreciate, you know, that you said, you know, it's not all about sitting still. It is you know, the walking meditation, like Thich Nhat Hanh, his meditations are walking meditation. Very important thing to mention with meditation is it doesn't have to be sitting still all the time. You can meditate in line at the DMV, if you want to, you know, study, the, the, <laughs> yeah, study, study the people around you, you know, and, you know, kind of, check out their, you know, if you see a mother and a child kind of see their like interaction between each other and things like that. And um, it also, uh, in my experience, helps with anxiety as well. You know, it's the, the whole thing. If you're feeling anxious, you know, uh, name five things that you could see, name five things that you could smell, name five things that you could touch that are all around you and your anxiety level goes down. Absolutely. You know, that, that's, that's not by coincidence. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that is calming the that's mind. That's by design. <laughs> exactly. It, it is by design. Exactly. Um, but so if, if uh, any of our listeners listening to this, if they have wanted to start a meditation practice, but they are a little reluctant, you know, they're, they're a little reluctant to be alone with their thoughts, like you said, um, what would be a good way to start a meditation practice, one that, you know, you would be excited to, to continue to do. One of the things I, I've alluded to, well, actually literally expressed is starting off small, obviously. Um, one of the things I find beneficial for my 
students when I'm teaching the meditation and they have that level of antsiness and they're not really ready to sit with that inner critic, whether it even be for two minutes, one minute, three minutes. I'm like, cool. You know what? Let's start with a guided meditation. Uh, that's going to be one of the best ways to um, kind of get people into, into meditating. Um, obviously, we'll want to transcend, you know, go in a different direction, but for, you know, beginning, um, a lot of visualization work, a lot of guided imagery. So they're literally on some level creating a movie in their mind and their mind is occupied with creating that story or that visualization or that guided image uh, so that their thoughts are not all over the place and they're not uh, beset upon with their uh, inner dialogue. So that's usually a good place to start. Um, and then much like I said, just keep those beginning sessions pretty short and then just like go for a week for three minutes. Once you've done that, A, you've got a level of confidence. You're like, yeah, I can do this. Cool. I'm going to bump it up to four. I'm going to bump it up to five and just keep going. It's slow and steady uh, like that, like that turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, so so that's for the beginner. Now, what about for somebody that has meditated before, that has meditated, you know, by themselves without the use of guided meditations, but for a while they stopped? what would be a good way for somebody that already understands, you know, the, the concept of meditation to get back in? Would guided meditations be a good kind of jumping off point again, or would it uh, something a little different? That would be, there are two things I would recommend. One of them would be guided meditations. Um, the other thing I would say is as they're doing that, to be kind to themselves, to say, Hey, cool. You know what? I fell off. But many times our society says, um, you know, it's kind of fail is the end of the road. So like it fell off. So you failed. So you can't do it anymore. It's like, the heck with that. No, yeah, you, you picked up the baton again and you're going again. Cool. Be kind to yourself. Acknowledge that. That's really important because one of the things, one of the biggest challenges that my students have is consistency. They know how to meditate, but much like I pointed out before, life kind of gets in the way and they're just like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. And then you're like, ah, the day's over. Ugh. And that happens a lot. So th there are those gaps. So, A, be compassionate with yourself, of course. Um, Start with a guided meditation. Uh, that's going to be beneficial. And one of the things that uh, Stacy and I talked about at a, another point was just find out, have a level of curiosity. So you know why you got into meditation. So first, re, uh, reacquaint yourself with the why of why you meditated. Um, bring your mind back to a time when you did meditate. If you have that ability, just like, you know, when I, when I was meditating, my life was better. So acknowledging why you're meditating is going to be beneficial, but then go have that curiosity factor and say, okay, cool. You know what? Maybe how I was meditating before really wasn't speaking to me. Well, there are thousands of ways to meditate, uh, avail yourself to guided meditations and just other schools of meditation, whether that be, uh, uh, Tonglen, Zazen, uh, Vipassana, and just open yourself up to whatever, and just experience that, that, that level of curiosity, that level of, um, research investigation is going to kind of hopefully bring that uh, that level of excitement up again and until you find something that's going to resonate with you and then even if you find uh, a school or a practice that you like there are tons of people that do that very practice and some are going to resonate with you and some are not so find mm -hmm. a practice that resonates with you and then find an instructor that resonates with you and then just keep things moving and keep uh, that level of curiosity up and I think it's also important too to, to just mention here as well about, you know, that diversity and, you know, the uh, variety in meditation practices. So there's so many different practices and one might not be the right practice 
you know, for, it's not going to be a forever practice, but there might be other practices that might, you know, you might, um, kind of rejuvenate your, your practice a little bit more as you're, you know, getting more into the, um, learning the different techniques. One thing to be aware of too, is that many times, uh, and I think Stacy and I, we talked about this at a time where we feel that meditation is a very sacred and a very spiritual and though they, those things definitely are. But one of the things I tell people is if they're doing a guided meditation or if they're, you know, following along with an instructor and they fire it up, whether it be on inside timer or headspace or what have you, um, Inside timer is the coolest, mm. uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love inside timer. <laughs> uh, that if you find somebody and you're you're listening to a meditation and it just doesn't resonate with you, you don't have to stay the entire distance. You just say, "Hey, you mm. know what? I appreciate the energy that put you out there, but it's not speaking to me today. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but thank you for the energy mm. and just switch and find another one. Uh, mm. You're not." Uh, you know, beholden. <laughs> I started mm-hmm. with so-and-so that I got to finish it. Like, mm-hmm. nope, they'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for, for pointing that out because I think there's a lot of, you know, just recognizing that the truth within ourselves and, and when something doesn't resonate, when something doesn't feel right, um, whether it's a meditation teacher or, you know, what someone's saying, you know, we don't have to take it all in, you know, unless, unless we, it resonates, unless it feels good. Right. And so learning to really listen to that inner voice. And it becomes stronger as we listen to it, as we uh, indulge it. It's like, Absolutely. it tells you whether it be a meditation or out in life, it's like, mm, that's right. Or that seems a little shady. Uh, mm-hmm. Love that yeah. inner voice. Absolutely. And you get to really begin to trust that inner voice, which I think a lot of us have learned to push away and not mm-hmm. trust because there's that external voice that has always been, you know, or not always, never, but like that all, you know, oftentimes comes in and, and is more um, overpowering than our own, our own trusting, our own intuition. So I'm wondering, like, if you can talk a little bit about that, maybe like, what are some of those tools that people can take with them to learn to trust that inner guidance um, and really tap into that and and trust that voice? That's one of the most profound uh, parts of my meditation practice, uh, having that connection to my, uh, my higher self and my inner voice. And for many people starting off with a meditation practice, it's, it's difficult because our very society says, look outside. Um, uh, You know what? You don't know anything about this. Find an expert, find an expert. Um, So everything in our society says, don't look inside. So the first thing you have to become uh, aware of is, well, that awareness that you have validity. In fact, one of the things I say on Zen Commuter all the time was like, you have the answer to every question um, that relates to you um, within you. Uh, It's part of who you are. So do you have it for anybody else? No, not so much, but they've got access to their, uh, their answers as well. So regardless of who's telling you what, um, you have to trust that inner, inner guidance. Now, to your point, and to my point, it's not always tough because every aspect of our society says, oh, you don't know anything. Don't listen to that. But much like I pointed to at the beginning of the episode, when we treat thoughts as things, when we have that inner critic come in, uh, and we're sitting with our meditations and we have those thoughts that are running all over, whether they be uh, uh, derogatory or not, it's just a thought. It's like, and I tell people, I'm like, one of the hugest challenges we have is we think that every thought that comes into our mind is valid and it should be attended to and given um, abject respect. I'm like, my mind, my mind is king. 
I made a thought. So it is real. I'm like, mm, not really. One of the things I tell people is like, so if you think that's the case, here's a thought. There's a shark swimming in your bathtub at your house right now. <laughs> They're like, dude, are you, are you high? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm making a point. That's a thought. You had that thought. You entertained that thought, but that's not a reality. Um, just like a thought that says you're not good enough. You don't have enough or what have you. It's just like a thought of a shark being in your tub. It's just a thought. You can either empower it or not. And with our meditation practice, we can get to that point where it's like, cool, there's a thought. Look at it. Neat. I can either say, wow, you know what? I'm going to put energy to that. I'm going to empower that thought. You can say, cool. Thanks. Appreciate that. And let it go. And then bring our focus back to our breath. And recognizing too, that we have, I, I think I've heard what 60,000 thoughts per day mm. and about 80 to 90 of those are the thoughts that were from yesterday. And most of those were, you know, pretty negative. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so what does that tell you, you know, and, and most of those are probably from, you know, or are from like your past experiences, you know, that have shaped the lens that we're bringing into our present. Indeed. Uh, it's such a pivotal topic that uh, actually, I think either last week or two weeks ago, I spent an entire week on Zen Commuter talking about meditating with the inner critic. So if uh, listeners want to avail themselves to that, there are a lot of things that we're not that we didn't cover here. A lot of things we did, but there are definitely some uh, ways that they can look at that inner critic and kind of disempower it and come to the mm -hmm. point where much like I said, its volume goes down and our higher self uh, and our inner guidance speaks up a little louder. Mm. Such a beautiful topic. Yeah. And, and so as far as like, you know, maybe going kind of into setting intention with meditation and what we want to get out of it, what would be some best ways to set intentions? The best way that I I uh, can recommend is first off, understanding the difference between expectation and intention. Um, and I make that uh, distinction clear with my students uh, pretty much early on. An expectation is, okay, my rational mind, maybe it's my rational mind and my ego mind says, this is what I want to experience. This is how I have to experience it. Anything else is garbage. I don't care. This is mm -hmm. how I have to experience it. And if I don't experience it, then everything's for a waste. So mm -hmm. That's expectation. Obviously, we, you can feel that energy in that mm -hmm. description. It's just like, oof, that's a lot of pointedness, a lot of ego. That's not going to get you many places. <laughs> uh, but with an intention, um, we have to. And it's very counterintuitive, again, for our society to say, this is what I want to experience. So if I, for instance, suppose I want to experience wisdom in my meditation. Many times I talk about how meditations can be profound or and uh, not to sound uh, derogatory, just mundane, where you just sit, you focus your breath, and you, open, you know, the timer goes off, you open your eyes, you're like, cool, that was a meditation. Other times things happen. There are times that I want to experience wisdom. Maybe you have an answer, or maybe you have a question for something, and you're like, cool, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this. I really could use some guidance. And for that intention, basically, you start off your meditation just like any other time, focusing on your breath or your mantra, and either in your mind or verbally say, I want an answer to this question or in this meditation, I wish to experience this. And the biggest part is to understand that it's not like a drive-through at uh, Taco Bell. You say <laughs> two burritos, please. And you get a, two burritos. It's just like, cool. That energy creates that field of intention. So, uh, but it's not always going to be, it's not always going to be attended to for want of a better word. So you put that intention out there 
you have to do it without an expectation. And I remember, long story short, just real quickly, I remember being in a car with my mom when I was like 12 years old. And I was, I forget what it was. And uh, I said, mom, uh, something that was going on at school. And I said, oh, it's got to happen like this, like this, like this. And she turned to me, she's like, sweetheart, no expectation. And I'm like, uh, have you been drinking? What do you mean no expectation? It's supposed to happen this way, this way, this way, this way. And obviously uh, now I realize that, that the folly in that, but getting back to my point is when we have that intention, we literally have to just say, cool, there it is. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And to our over- overarching point, everything is going to bring us to a place of growth and of an experience of love. So if it happens now, cool. If not, it's out there and it's going to come back, mm-hmm. whether it be in this time frame, another time frame. But just that expectation means timelessness, means mm-hmm. no expectation uh, and just voicing it, whether in your head or vocally, is going to bring that energy uh, or put that energy out there to have it be experienced now or later. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and it comes down, you know, sounds like letting it go, you know, yep. set the intention and let it go. And I think sometimes that can be hard, you know, to, to do, to, you know, not, you know, to let go of the, well, one, let go of the expectation, but then let go of the outcome and which, you know, ultimately is the expectation, but the expectation that it's going to happen. So yeah. What are, what are some tools that you have that help people to maybe let that go and, and just maybe to learn to trust in the process there? Right. Exactly. The other thing to be aware of, too, is that um, when we have an expectation, that's totally our ego and our human mind saying, this is how it has to happen. This is one way that it has to happen. Uh, and when we have that, when we place an expectation, the universe kind of just kind of bottlenecks you. It's like, OK, that's how you need to experience it. Cool. And it might uh, might offer that. But when we have that intention we basically say, uh, and it's part of letting go too much what, like what you're talking about is, I don't have all, my human self doesn't have all the answers. My higher self, my spirit knows everything. So if you say, I want to experience this, not I want to experience this way, you say, I want to experience this, then that energy is broadcast, for want of a better word, and you experience that. It might be the way you expected, and it might not. But the intention of experiencing that thing without it being a specific way gets it uh, gets it accomplished. Now, to your point, our society basically says uh, that to have expectations, to 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 trust our brain, to trust our ego, to trust our mind, we have a plan. This is point A. This is point B. It has to go like that. Um, as we all three of us know, that's not how meditation works. That's not how the world works. There are many things that happen beyond our perception. Um, and to your the answer to your question is we have to start with that awareness that there are very disparate um, parts of our being, and they're all working uh, in concert for our best good, uh, to experience our divinity, to experience growth. And our mind is just one aspect of it. And many people are of that. And I, I was that way. When I started, even when I was meditating, I remember when I started, I'm like, you know what? My brain's pretty powerful. So if any question comes up, any problem comes up, brain, you got this. And if you need a little backup body, you got this cool. And uh, soul, you're at the bottom of the list. You got this. And then obviously in a meditation, uh, one of my guides said, how's that working for you? I'm like, what do you mean? Do you get the full experience? I'm like, well, sometimes he's like, 
how about integrating all aspects of your being uh, when you're coming at a question or an experience uh, and not just filtering it down? He's like, your brain is powerful. Yeah, cool. But that's just a small aspect of who you are. So with that understanding that our mind isn't everything, that there are things happening uh, outside of our consciousness, outside of our perception, um, when we understand that, we feel more comfortable um, seeing things uh, come to us in different ways. And we give up that ego's need for uh, things to happen one way. Um, that awareness is the start. And just much like I said before, just really look at thoughts uh, and don't put your brain into all your thoughts. Look to experience. My mom used to say that all the time. She used to say, sweetheart, it's not about knowing everything. It's about being open to experiencing everything. And with that awareness, you will start to trust your inner guidance a lot more. You will be a lot more open to saying, I don't know the answer, but uh, I do. And my human just doesn't know the answer. My higher self knows the answer. I'm like, I'm open. Mm. Um, it comes down to faith and trust. Um, but as you become more aware and as you see those serendipities happen, it's just reinforcing itself. Like I let it go and it came back or I put a request for um, an answer and I didn't get it the way I wanted, but I got it. So instead of looking at it one way, you're like the be all end all, I got my experience. I got my question answered. So uh, it kind of grows on itself if that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, I, I think it's, you know, recognizing too that, you know, our mind is going to come up with these ways that it thinks it should look, but, you know, just recognizing that, you know, things are happening for our highest good and that they're going to manifest in the way that they need to, for those experiences to occur and for those lessons to come. And so setting the intention, it might, you know, look differently than, yeah, the, what, what the mind could even conceive, you know, one of my favorite sayings, you know, whenever I'm creating a, say a vision board or, you know, trying to manifest something, it's always this or something better because (laughs) you've been talking about my mom. Yeah. It's like, okay, the mind says, this is what I can believe I can have, but the universe is saying, no, but look at what this is about. You can, you know, create all of this and it's going to look way better than your mind could ever think in this little box. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The little box of the brain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So tell us like what would, uh, if someone wanted to take their meditation practice deeper, like what would they, like, what are some things that they can do to really dive deep into that practice? One of the things I like best is, uh, when I'm teaching, uh, business owners or people that want to meditate, uh, strictly for very uh, practical, pragmatic reasons. Like, you know what? I hear meditation is great for creativity, for focus, for attention. That's what I need for my business. I'm like, okay, cool. If you want me to teach you that, I'll teach you that. Now, many of these people uh, have never experienced stillness or silence. So once I've taught them the, the quote, nuts and bolts of meditation, and once they feel that they're focused and they're attentive and uh, creative, then obviously a lot of the other benefits of meditation start to manifest themselves, uh, a connection to our, uh, our higher self, uh, experiencing universal consciousness and love. Uh, so the very, net, uh, the very essence of meditation will lead you to that, 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 deepener, uh, that deeper experience. 
Um, but if you want to kind of <laughs> using the for, using the word force and meditation probably is not the best thing. But if you want to force that, <laughs> if you wanted to uh, put the intention out there <laughs> to experience that, uh, then I would say just what, like we were alluding to before, just be curious and uh, open yourself up to different practices, uh, whether that be Tonglen, Metta, uh, Zazen, Vipassana, and just uh, transcend the the practical and just open yourself up. And much like we've talked about this entire time, it's all about resonance. Feel what connects with you. Um, if you do a Metta meditation and you're just not feeling it, that's not a bad thing. It's just not resonating with you. Will it ever? Maybe, maybe not, but maybe you're more geared to an insight meditation where, or an open meditation where you're like, not afraid of every thought. You're just saying, cool, I'm going to be open to every experience, every sound I hear, everything I see in my mind, every thought I have, I'm not going to empower it. Um, and when we have that openness and that curiosity, it lends itself to a deeper meditation practice. And obviously a consistent practice is going to do that as well. Um, when, when we're spotty, when we're kind of take two weeks off and our brain is kind of back into the, ah, I screwed up or now I got to start from zero. But, uh, so that openness, that curiosity, and, uh, that consistency is going to lend itself to a deeper practice. Mm-hmm. And it's also actually, if I can really, uh, interject, it's yeah. also, a level of openness uh, and much like we talked about many times in this interview is putting our, our rational mind, our conscious mind aside and just saying, cool, I'm not going to judge whatever happens as being possible or crazy or odd or weird. Just, just let it flow. Just uh, it sounds very sixties, but just let it happen and just uh, be aware of it and be thankful. And that's a big thing. Be mm-hmm. grateful for all the experiences because whether you can accept them or not, your soul is working on a level to bring your humanness along. Uh, so if you have that level of gratitude, I'm like, I don't get this, but thanks for bringing it to me. I'm sure it'll make sense later on. Uh, mm-hmm. And as you meditate, uh, whether it be in this body or another one, you'll get that lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think gratitude is definitely, you know, the Huge. foundational practice to come back to all the time because we, when we're grateful, then new experiences can emerge and, you know, we can really begin to see just how beautiful life and, and all the experiences unfolding are and leading us to this moment and just recognizing that it's all for our highest good. And what, what yeah. much to what uh, Sam and I were talking about earlier with uh, mindfulness, when we, and to kind of interject with what you said, when we have that level of gratitude, we're, we're feeling that. And uh, our mind has a thing called the, uh, I think it's the, uh, I forget the, uh, the, uh, the acronym, but basically it's the part of our brain that basically says, okay, if there's part of our brain, that's kind of like a stopgap. Uh, if we, gave full attention to every sensory experience we have, our brain would obviously fry itself out and short circuit. So there's a part of our brain that says, cool, this is important to you. So I will show you the parts of, uh, uh, of your experience of your world that adhere to what you value. Um, so to your point, when we have gratitude, we're kind of telling that stop, get uh, that part of our brain, cool, I'm grateful. So show me things in my life to be grateful for. Uh, and it does, it points you when we have that gratitude practice, it says, cool, check that out. 
that's something to be grateful for. And our brain is uh, literally uh, making everything else that's not that invisible. And the same thing, sadly, is true of worry and guilt and like, Oh, it's like, oh, I worry about this, worry about this. And if your brain says, cool, worry is something you want to experience. And whether it be just our physiological brain part or just universal energy, it's like the universe is going to say, cool, you want to see worry? Cool. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. And mm-hmm. obviously that's not going to be very serving for us. So gratitude, switch that. And gratitude is going to bring those things to us. Absolutely. And also to, you know, kind of piggyback off that is to, recognize that not to be necessarily selectively grateful for things, right? So we can, you know, it's easy to be grateful for things when things are going well, right? But like when things are maybe not going so well, you know, what can we be grateful for in this now moment? You know, even if, even if it's like trying to dig into what is this lesson and this gift here and this experience that I'm having. And I think that can begin to really shift things and open up new ways of seeing life in a different way that we can really come from a more heart-centered place. One of the things I talk about on Zen Commuter all the time is uh, what I call situational neutrality. And basically that means that whatever we experience is neutral, is blank, and we can put whatever we want Uh, we can spin it for whatever we want, however we want. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're in those tough times, is it easy to see the gift? Nope. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really not. Obviously at the risk of, uh, well, obviously I plug meditation all the time, but when we have the ability to just quiet our minds, say to what your point is uh, like, okay, this really sucks right now. I'm like, show me what I'm supposed to learn. Help me um, see the good in this situation. And when we see that, uh, when we come at things with a, an, uh, a belief that things are neutral and we paint whatever we want, that kind of takes that, um, that judgment away, opens things up. And with what you were talking about, having that gratitude and saying, okay, what can I see? We're really shifting the energy of a crappy situation to something that's going to be more serving. Um, it's not always from a human standpoint, it's not always going to feel that rosy, but, uh, but as we know, time heals all wounds. So as we, uh, yeah. as we step back and, you know, when you're in the thick of things, you're like, this is the worst thing to ever happen ever. And then uh, a year later, you're like, wow, you know what? That wasn't it. Uh, and my life is pretty amazing because that quote rotten thing happened, but mm-hmm. it helped me expand and grow and uh, one of the things my mom used to always say, uh, she's like, lessons can come uh, painfully or joyfully. She's like, you get to choose how you'd like them to be. And to what our point is, when you look at things in a way that's going to facilitate growth, facilitate uh, our connection to divinity, then you're never going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. Um, and so I, um, I'm wondering if you could like kind of in the same place, you know, like gratitude, right? You, it's not, Sounds like you, you wrote a book called Discovering Joy. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your book. Well, thank you. Uh, I actually need to rewrite that because it was written 11 years ago. And uh, the very cool thing is, uh, it's a very short book and it's a, it's a primer about much of the things we're talking about, how we craft a life that is not just joyful because we never want joy to be all we experience. Uh, much like we just talked about, there's growth in pain, uh, there's growth in joy, uh, and just being open to those energies, but seeing ways to find it. Um, and we're all three of us are very familiar with connection. And 
when we meditate and finding that connection uh, to all life, all, all sentient life. And um, the book talks about how to connect to that energy, how to treat your fellow man or fellow woman as yourself, which um, um, I'm of the belief is that, you know, we have 8 billion people on the planet and every, our society says, cool, you're Stacy, you're Sam, you're Tom, you're three people. I'm like, yes and no. <laughs> we have different forms, but the energy that is the essence of all we are, light and love, is the same. Uh, so uh, the book talks about that and how it's basically a primer for shifting the way we see life to be more uh, beneficial for us. And it's a very easy read. And like I said, I think I need to redo it. <laughs> well, sounds like a really beautiful read. I'm wondering um, if you can tell our listeners maybe how they can find it and what you're currently working on. Yeah, sure. So it is uh, available out on Amazon, uh, Kindle. It's electronic. Um, it's not in print. Um, but there is another book that uh, uh, Goals and Gratitude Journal that I also wrote uh, that's going to be helpful for people. And it's a way of talking about what we just talked about, uh, a way of uh, creating action, positive action for our lives, but also being aware of the things and the gifts that we already have. So that's out on Amazon as well. So uh, as for right now, uh, I'm working on a course uh, that teaches meditation consistency, much like I talked about the challenges of meditating. Uh, meditating I, I always walk on eggshells when I say this. Meditating is easy. The practice of learning how to meditate is easy. Um, um, making it part of our daily lives is much more difficult. Uh, and there are many aspects of meditation that aren't as um, um, easy per se, uh, but the practice itself is easy, but um, consistency is definitely one of them. And many times I've come across so many people like, and they ask, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a meditation instructor. Like, oh yeah, I tried that, but my life is just so busy. I, I do it every now and then. And uh, obviously I don't uh, harp on them and say, do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you know, whatever works for you, not, and, and talk about those uh, ways to uh, increase consistency. So that's what I'm working on now. Obviously uh, Calmer in five and Zen commuter uh, come out Monday through Friday uh, every day. So that takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> and where can people find those? So they're out on uh, all the major podcast places like, uh, Apple podcast, uh, Stitcher. Um, I think I am in every podcast directory way back in the day when I started out, I'm like, okay, cool. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And we'll, uh, we'll put all those in the show notes as well. So people can find you easily. Cool. Thank you. So yeah. You. Yeah. And thank you so much for being here today. It's been just so fun just talking with you. And so I appreciate you sharing the space for this conscious conversation with us. Well, thank you so much. Uh, as uh, I always like uh, either conducting interviews or doing interviews, because I get to uh, be with like-minded people who are doing wonderful things like uh, in the world, much like you and Sam are. So I love that we're bringing energy of light and love in our own unique way to the world. And uh, even though it is, a it is a beautiful world, it can mm -hmm. only get better and better. So, and that happens with conscious love and commitment mm -hmm. to peace. Absolutely. And yeah, I just love being able to collaborate with like-minded people as well. It's just, you know, we can, I think, you know, we're in this world, we've been kind of conditioned to be individual. And so we're community, you know, creating community is really important right now. I think, especially in this time and we're growing that. And so it's, it's just a beautiful time on our planet. Absolutely. And um, if 
if your listeners ever have a question that uh, either of you can't answer in regards to meditation, feel free uh, mm-hmm. to reach out to me, Tom, T-H-O-M at zencommuter.com. I love getting questions from listeners. So if anybody has a question about meditation, whether it be to start, keep it going, much like the things we've talked mm-hmm. about, I am more than happy to, uh, to start a dialogue. So that it's probably one of my favorite parts of uh, what I do. Beautiful. Thank you for offering that. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really do help our show become more visible. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website. You know, it can be, you know, at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast and until next time love yourself love each other and love the world we love you Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.